No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome back to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we continue a study on unsafe sex. We look at specific practices that are accepted in our culture, but toxic to the land. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Leviticus chapter 18 on Simply the Bible. Sex is powerful. We are hardwired to bond through sexual intimacy. The two become one flesh was God's order. That is why it is extremely important that we carefully choose with whom we bond. A big problem in our culture is our casual approach to sex. This cheapens it, making it merely a means of self-gratification rather than the loving expression of intimacy and commitment that God designed it to be. Therefore, God gives rules concerning sexual relations so that it may be set apart to the relationship for which God created it, namely between a husband and wife. If you take it out of its context and out of the confines of that relationship, it becomes sinful, shameful, and harmful. We continue this study in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 19. Also, you shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is in her customary impurity. We said yesterday that uncovering her nakedness was a euphemism for having sexual relations. A couple was forbidden to have intercourse when the woman was on her menstrual period. Even in a monogamous relationship, there are limitations to how we practice sex. Verse 20, Moreover, you shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her. Now, in one sense, nearly all these warnings in Leviticus 18 are examples of how a person can violate the seventh commandment. You shall not commit adultery. But this verse deals directly with the commandment. The Apostle Paul echoes it in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. It is impossible to overestimate the harm done through adultery. How this destroys trust between husband and wife at the deepest level. I have counseled couples who have suffered the nuclear fallout of infidelity. Some can never let it go and hardness of heart ultimately destroys the marriage. Others cut off the adulterous relationship and seek forgiveness from the Lord and their spouse, but it often takes years, even decades, for marital trust to be reestablished. A person who commits adultery not only destroys 
his or her own family, but also another family. Brokenhearted, angry, and depressed children are often left in the wake of this self-serving act. No wonder God commands people not to commit adultery. Verse 21, And you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Now, this seems a bit out of place. As God is calling out various kinds of sexual sin, why would he suddenly turn to child sacrifice to pagan idols? You see, the problem was that when a man had sexual relations with his neighbor's wife, then there would be unwanted pregnancies. They didn't have abortion in those days. Instead, they would heat the metal arms of the god Molech in the fire, and when they turned red hot, they would throw their infant child onto the arms of this idol, incinerating him or her. Terrible, you say. And indeed it was. God said that such a thing never entered his mind. We can't imagine ever sacrificing our children in this way. And yet, when a fetus is burned with a saline solution and aborted, isn't he or she sacrificed on the altar of pleasure or convenience? The Lord said that anyone who sacrifices his children profanes the name of his God. Verse 22, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Now, before we take this one on, let me ask you a question. Does God have the right to call something an abomination? Literally, a detestable thing? Would we accuse him of being homophobic or a propagator of hate speech? Our society now considers homosexuality to be an acceptable alternative lifestyle. But has God changed his view? Many would relegate this commandment to other obsolete commandments under the law, such as not eating shellfish. But has this commandment passed away under the new covenant? Not according to the Apostle Paul, who wrote in Romans 1.26, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. Paul also wrote in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. You see, there really is nothing new under the sun. These same sins have been around since the days of Moses, and in the days of Paul, and in our day. The deception is when God calls something sin, but we call it not sin. That is true for any of these practices that Paul mentions here that will keep a person out of the kingdom of God. Verse 23, nor shall you mate 
with any animal to defile yourself with it, nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. No argument on that one from me. To this point, all the commandments have been primarily directed to men. God knows that they are usually the sexual aggressors. But here the woman is mentioned. Although I have difficulty even imagining this, bestiality seems so incredibly perverted and defiling. But watch what happens next in our society. If we as a culture cannot agree to the moral standard God has established regarding fornication, adultery, and homosexuality, then it is only a matter of time before the laws on the books concerning pedophilia and bestiality will be challenged in the courts and declared unconstitutional. Verse 24, Do not defile yourselves with any of these things, for by all these the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. For the land is defiled, therefore I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, either any of your own nation or any stranger who dwells among you. For all these abominations the men of the land have done who were before you, and thus the land is defiled." lest the land vomit you out also when you defile it, as it vomited out the nations that were before you. For whoever commits any of these abominations, the persons who commit them shall be cut off from among their people. If we consider how God designed the human body to function, there is a rejection response so that if you eat something that is bad, your body will vomit it out. This is to protect you from what could kill you if you were to fully digest it. Likewise, there are certain behaviors that are so inherently toxic to the created order that the land will vomit out those who practice them. Historically, sexual perversion has always marked the decline and demise of civilization. When a culture reaches this level of depravity, God has no alternative but to bring judgment. For this reason, God took the time to spell everything out to his people. It is difficult for us to hear, but turning away from these practices can save a nation, not to mention our own lives. Those who ignored God's words and committed these abominations would be cut off from among the people. The traditional understanding of this phrase was that the person would be punished by God directly. Verse 30, Therefore you shall keep my ordinance, so that you do not commit any of these abominable customs which were committed before you, and that you do not defile yourselves by them. I am the Lord your God. Have you ever had the talk with your children? We don't want them to hear about sex from the streets or the movies for they most certainly will have a distorted perspective of what it's all about. To separate sex from its values is to make it dirty and dangerous. Sex education without moral and spiritual education is a wide open door to heartache, venereal disease, and teenage pregnancy. As a loving father, God shares these things with his kids 
because he wants to protect them and provide what is best for them. He is the giver of every good and every perfect gift. But what if someone has already crossed over that line? What if someone is addicted to one or more of these sins? As I mentioned earlier, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians about the various kinds of practices that would keep a person out of the kingdom of heaven. But he went on to say, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. One of my favorite stories in the Gospels is when the Pharisees brought the woman who was caught in the act of adultery to Jesus. They said, Moses commanded that such a one should be stoned. But what do you say? After writing in the dust with his finger, Jesus looked up and said, Whoever is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And one by one, they all left. Then he turned to the woman. Where are your accusers? Is there no one to condemn you? No one, she replied. Then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You see, this was not only a commandment, but also an enablement. She left what could have been the site of her execution with a changed life and a new hope. She had been forgiven by the one whose blood would wash away her sins. He is doing the same thing today for all who are willing to turn from their sin and trust in Him. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepperidge Elementary School in Boise. Also, to listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go to their website at calvarytv.org. We'd really love to hear from you. You can also text us at 208-314-3377 with your questions or comments. Good ideas are worth repeating. Tomorrow we'll see where God repeats various laws and then gives the royal law of love that Jesus called the second greatest commandment. We hope you'll join us as we continue through Leviticus on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible.